0: Welcome to Make It Kick-Ass, where we help leaders of growing communities bring their people together with purpose and lasting impact. Join us as we explore how to make events engaging, exciting, energizing, and profitable so that you can build a healthy, sustainable community. I'm Isaac Watson, founder and lead strategist at Kick-Ass Conferences.
1: And I'm Nessa Jimenez, operations manager at Kick-Ass Conferences.
0: Now let's make it kick-ass together. Hey everyone. Welcome back to Make It Kick-Ass. I'm Isaac, and Nessa's here with us. How are you doing, Nessa? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, pretty good. It's been a good week. Can't complain. Uh, I am still kind of floored by this conversation we had with Tara McMullen in the last episode. And, yes. like... Listeners, we stopped recording after that episode and then continued to talk with Tara for yeah, like 30 more minutes. <laughs> and it, we were we were talking about therapy. We were talking about uh, books we've read. And anyway, it, it was really good. Sorry, you missed out. Um, but if you ever <laughs> happen to corner Tara uh, at a conference or something, she's a gem. Uh, We like her a lot. Uh, So we're going to we're going to take a little bit of uh, time to kind of reflect on the conversations that we had with with Tara a little bit and talk about some of the stuff that came up for us um, in this episode is kind of a response. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to Tara uh, and interview her for this podcast was because I've seen her journey over the years, as I mentioned in the last episode, I've known her for a very long time. She's actually a former client, uh, of ours. Um, we produced a conference for her back in 2016 and, uh, just seeing her journey of both, um, entrepreneurial evolution and her own self discovery and stuff has been really, really inspiring. And I knew that she would bring this kind of bigger picture mindset, um, culture of work aspect to what we're doing. And I think that that's important, because it really, in in my mind, it sets the stage for where we're trying to go with uh, the work that we do, where the event industry is headed, and where uh, the people that we do this for are going. And, and at its core, I think it has to do with understanding ourselves and using that understanding of ourselves to better understand others. Those are the key elements to building a healthy community. It comes from this mutual support. I mean, uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but like how we define community is really important. And I think that through the self-reflection that Tara talked about going through as she was kind of hitting this wall of like, who am I anymore? Um, That helped inform how she identified and related to others and how she was creating a business around that. I think that the same is true for what we do for the attendees that go to the events that we produce, for the clients we do this for, that that um, self-identity and that that uh, relationship that they have with other people is really the foundation for creating something spectacular.
1: Yeah, and the conversation with her is really about the context of, like, the future of work and how we identify with work and how we work together and, like, how we're finding community and all those things. So uh, I'm really glad that we're starting the season off with this conversation.
0: Yeah. You know, it reminds me um, of some of the very early community work that I was doing back before I was an event producer. I was really involved in the DIY and craft communities. And uh, I, I was still I was coming out of college and I, you know, I was that young, like hungry for knowledge kind of person. Um, and I, I read uh, The Gift by Lewis Hyde, which was this like instrumental piece uh, in my education and the way that I viewed how art works, how community is built and this uh, kind of altruistic edification that people seek uh, that creates a strong community. And so talking to Tara about that stuff just kind of brought up all of that original uh, thirst that I had for uh, becoming part of a community and, uh, you know, cultivating it and helping other people share that joy in the context of business, too, which I think is really interesting because Lewis Hyde's book was not about business whatsoever. It was about. Why art exists, right? And how uh, cultures across history have have exchanged in this um, this creativity and this creative process as a means to connect with each other. Uh, so I really liked Tara's approach to uh, thinking about community in the sense of you know how how her business could better serve her and the people that she was doing it for. Um, because I think if if we're constantly thinking about that human element that you know serves us better in in the long run
1: yeah and, and speaking to community like that was the part of the conversation that really impacted me like there's a couple of quotes in there one of the things she said is um that she liked the definition of community when we're talking about community as mutual concern for each other and i thought that was really interesting i'd never heard it phrased that way it's true like i agree with it but you know her 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 putting it in those in those words uh was super interesting to me she also said that for her and it surprised me when she said this because because she, she talked about not really needing community and that's where she comes from like that's where she gets that definition right like that's why she says she doesn't need it um she also said that for her community is actually about engaging with other people's work and and it's sort of in a way I don't like the word passive, but it, it's the appropriate word, right? Like she engages by reading people's books and she gave us a couple of great recommendations which I'm I'm looking forward to getting started, like I'm adding it to the list. I have, I have I have a long list of books but I added it there. Um and yeah, and how she how for her community is taking somebody's writing and reading and engaging with that, but not necessarily like an in, in the moment live exchange, right? right? But that for her that is still like a valid sense of community. Um what did you think about that? Cuz it, it surprised me when when she explained it that way.
0: It did and it kind of twisted uh, or at least it didn't twist it um it made me stop and think a little bit about how I define community because she's talking about how she immerses herself in other people's work as a way to support them and and it, which is fantastic like I think that that is a really interesting um really interesting thing um and I think that that like we we talked in the, in the episode about how there is no like One be-all, end-all definition for community, right? And I think that 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 curiosity and that uh, desire to kind of embed yourself within someone's work or creativity or process can actually be a really great way of supporting them and helping them achieve their goals, which in and of itself is a form of community. Um, The thing that stuck with me was that um, she found, she finds community in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the close friends, the couple of close friends that have this like low stakes, um, you know, no expectations, uh, or low expectation communication, kind of infrequent as we're able kind of thing, meet you where you are, I guess, kind of a, right. kind of an attitude. Yeah. I think that's really important. i you know, I have... I have friends like that, um, I think a lot of people do, where these are kind of our, our core circle, uh, but we're not necessarily meeting on a weekly basis. We're not necessarily, um, you know, planning trips together, but we still care about each other and we're still interested in what each other is doing. Um, but like this idea of, of kind of um, absorbing oneself in another person's work is really, really fascinating. I think, um, someone like her and to, to some extent, someone like me, I don't know if the same is true for you, is that by like, we are, we are people who thrive off of helping others, uh, um, yes. and, and, uh, you know, whether it's a nurturing personality or, a, a caregiving personality trait, um, that that is one way to manifest that, to express that, Uh, by by supporting someone else through consumption of their work beyond just, um, you know, kind of superficial cheerleading or things like that.
1: So I think that's a role that that that's not appreciated enough, to be honest, the the supporter role, because as I as I look at social media and like the the popular like thought leadership out there, it's always very much focused on. Be the thought leader. Be the person that's saying something. Do this. Do that. Be on stage, right? But at no point are we looking at okay. And who who is who is listening, right? Who yes. is supporting all this content? Who is who is part of the team and not the the alpha dog? Um, so I, I love that she brought that up because I'm seeing. Although slight, I'm starting to see that shift in conversation where people are starting to realize, like, yeah, like, we can't all be the leader. (laughs) Somebody actually has to read. Somebody has to think. Somebody has to respond. Um, And I'm definitely like that as well. I'm happy to be a supporter. I'm happy to— consume the content and like react respond but um it it's not an appreciated role in life and in business and in anything really but we're getting to a point where it's just uh thought leadership like oversaturation yes <laughs> so people are starting to go wait a minute <laughs> there has to be like listeners as well um so yeah that that was fantastic and and related she also mentioned, so the way that she consumes content is, is a, is more of a passive way. And she talked about how she is changing the way that she is using social media Mm -hmm. and that she's responding to interacting with social media. And it's, she's not alone because this is also something that I've been tracking and I've been thinking about as well for a long time. Like personally, I'm not a fan of social media. I'm not really on almost anything, but even the people that are regular users, like we're starting to see people are interacting less, they're engaging less, they're pulling away from social media. They are not having an account on every single new thing that comes out. Um, so our conversation with her, it, it, it brought to mind a couple of articles that I've read in in the last couple of weeks, and I'll add links in the show notes Um, we're talking about the future of social media being less social so Mm -hmm. um, the first article is from the new york times and it 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 brings up the fact that you know facebook tiktok twitter all these bigger ones their primary goal is to connect people with brands right um and users are starting to respond to that because they don't that's not the point that they're there, right? Like, they're not mm-hmm. there just about the brands. They actually want to connect with people. So what we're seeing is a trend where people are actually moving towards smaller social networks where there is, like, way less people and very little brands and, and like, really limiting the types of accounts that they engage with, um, simply because, like, one, it's 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 just way too much like it's just too much man like <laughs> there's so yeah. much content out there constantly being pumped out um but also it it's not actually social it's just commercials right yeah um so that that's one article i i thought was fascinating and then the second one was it came out it came out as a response to threads coming out earlier this month when you know we're recording this in the summer uh, threads just opened up so a lot of brands are not opening thread accounts mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a, a magazine disrupt magazine they did an article about like okay why is this and they also looked at a couple of brands that have actually stepped away completely from social media and what they're finding is that the risk reward is just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a luxury fashion brand that they decided to step away, I think, starting in like 2021, because they said every time they posted something. They were spending most of their time like addressing people that were offended or like like trying to deal with like the the troll comments and like the inappropriate comments and it got to a point where it just wasn't worth it for them either so we're seeing the other side of social media as well where like even the brands are like i don't want to do this anymore (laughs) like this isn't even worth it for us so so what's happening we're seeing a we're transitioning into this time where everybody's rethinking like what are we doing on social media. What are we doing online? Like is this actually connecting with each other? Is this actually community? What does what does this stuff mean? And I think going forward we're just going to have to keep having this conversation because yeah. um it, it, people have, have just had enough. People are burnt out of of what was supposed to be about connecting and it's not about connecting anymore. It's just yeah. it's just a stressful mess. So and, um and- <laughs> hearing it from Tara talking about how she is changing the way she uses social media that, that, yeah, I liked hearing it from her because she is someone that is in a way an influencer in, in these conversations.
0: So I thought that was I think a lot of online entrepreneurs encountered this massive shift in social media. I don't know what, what it was six years ago or so when, you know, the Facebook groups and pages, the algorithm changed because it always does the same is true for the ad. Uh, ad campaigns, and they realized that you know this unowned property uh that they were using to build their communities was unstable uh and they weren't reaching people in the same way and and uh, you know people have been murmuring about the change of in social media for a long time um and it really is like it is not social anymore it's an ad platform with some conversation around it uh and it's more about the data collection than it is anything else. And I think that seeing uh, someone like Tara talk about how she's shifted her practices and seeing how some of these brands are shifting their own, you know, we only have so much bandwidth. Um, The more we get, I think our, our, especially our generation is becoming more and more aware of the effect that these social media platforms have on our psyche, on our uh, mood, on our whatever. Um, And we're starting to be a little more skeptical and um you know strict about how and where we engage um and you know whether that's stitching one particular platform because it's going off the rails or scaling back entirely. And I think if I were to bring this back around to the event world, what's what I'm curious about is how this is going to affect event marketing, because it's so much about event marketing is focused on social media marketing. And if people are retracting from the most common platforms, Or, uh, in some cases, like I found a massive community, an actual community of people on Mastodon, which is this defederated, decentralized thing that doesn't have an algorithm that doesn't have ads, et cetera. Right. So if I'm spending most of my time over there, how's a brand going to find me? Right. Um, right. And so I think that'll, that'll be, that'll be a question for our guest later this season on social media marketing for sure. Um, but, uh, it, it requires a lot more thought about how to make human connections with the people that we're trying to reach and do them in a way that's higher quality than it is quantity.
1: Right. And if our intention with the events that we produce is to strengthen connections between people, uh, strengthen community between people, how we use social media can add to that or it can harm that. Yep. And so, uh, we really have to think about what we're doing uh, via social media.
0: Yeah. Uh, so on that note, let's talk about the kind of the final piece of discussion we have with Tara, which is about going from anti-human to pro-human. And I specifically want to talk about events. So how can events support a more pro-human uh, community, a more pro-human workplace, pro-human culture i think that's going to be a running theme throughout all of the conversations that we have uh throughout this season um but what are what are some of the things that stand out for you based on what we talked about with Tara i know you had some aha moments uh toward yeah. the end there we were like you know preach uh,
1: yeah. keep going yeah. right
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i have a lot of thoughts <laughs> like first of all i'm like capitalism's a bitch like mm-hmm. it's, it's really like Um, it's, it's scary, uh, the direction that we're going in, but if we want to be pro human, then we have to accept humans holistically, you know, Mm -hmm. a human outcomes, human approach of looking at people as people, as three dimensional, complicated beings, right? We're not machines. We're not, uh, wallets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We, We are people and we have needs. And, and, and I think that, I think that has been lost, especially, I mean, with the marketing being the central driver of so much, uh, people have been reduced to, this is the profile and these are the numbers, right? And how do we manipulate, how do we mess around with, and we reject that by coming back to the table and going, okay, these are people, like... Mm -hmm. You know what? What? What are their needs, wants, uh, aspirations, desires, right? And ha- and how can we how can we serve these people first without thinking about what can I get out of them, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, this notion of like an ideal attendee avatar, customer avatar, whatever you want to call it, is. You know, a helpful exercise, but at the end of the day, I think it's better to think about the different types of actual people in your audience or in your community that you're building that you're doing this for. Like, can you actually picture a real individual um, that you are creating this for and, and identify what their needs are? I think I loved what Tara said about. um kind of distancing ourselves from this language around productivity and output and these kind of machine oriented metrics right. right and focusing on our more human qualities um and coming, like as we work with our clients on strategy work, we're always starting from an outcome perspective, right? What skills are we trying to build? What things are we trying to teach them? What are we, what do we want them to walk away with? And I think if we can continue to focus that line of questioning on the more human aspects of building their community, um, deeper connections with their peers, uh, maybe it's mentorship, sure, maybe there are skills involved, but it's not necessarily to the end of, you know, being a more productive cog in their corporate machine at their work or, or, you know, generating more output, uh, for their company. Um, we need to think about what their goals and what their personal human wishes are out of attending something.
1: Yeah. And going back to what we were talking about in the beginning about context, because, I mean, talking about anti-human, like, and I'll speak to America because that's where we are. But, <laughs> um, you know, income inequality is just getting bigger. The yeah. wealth gap is just getting bigger. Um The climate catastrophe, you know, every day, everybody's like in a heat warning and there's tornadoes and there's like hurricanes and more and more of these, these things happening. Um, if you want a human approach then you have to think of context as well. A, a, a pro-human approach cannot exist without the context of, like, all of these things that are happening, these social movements, right? And, yeah. and, and the echo chambers that we're seeing in culture and in communities where people are—they just want to hear this one, this one perspective, and that's it. You know, nothing exists or nothing is valid outside of that. Um, so— Forcing ourselves to really look at the context of the things that we're doing, I think, as well, will be a central a tenant. Like we we can't we can't keep pretending like climate change isn't a thing. Right. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, to that end, as we look at uh, metrics, like how do we measure success for an event? Um, right. You know one of our go-tos is like in with a lot of things is a net promoter score. How likely is somebody Mm -hmm. to recommend the event to a friend or a colleague? And that's an important metric. But I think that at its core, I'm actually I'm more and more interested these days in qualitative data over quantitative data. I think that that we still have to have this baseline, especially as we're working within a capitalist context where we're trying to measure ROI and things like that. There's got to be statistics around it. But if we Mm -hmm. can also couple that with more human-oriented questions and opportunities for feedback and context gathering, right, Um, Mm -hmm. then we can produce better events in the future. One of the things that we put into practice uh, several years ago was identifying attendees a handful of attendees through each event that we were doing and having follow-up interviews with them. We were still sending out a post-event survey, but having these, you know, 30-minute, 45-minute Zoom calls with people to talk to them a little bit more deeply about, like, why did you come? What did you learn? What stood out for you? What could we do better? Like, that human connection gave us so much more valuable data and feedback than Uh, An anonymous form did Uh, and we were able to respond to things better. We were able to uh, Build better strategy going into the next years with these particular people in mind
1: Yeah, we're gonna have a conversation with a guest about attendee experiences and and on all of that specifically, but uh, I will say That the brands and the events that will be successful going forward are the brands and events that understand that it, you have to look at the attendee experience beyond the numbers? Yeah. You know, and the brands that are willing to do that work will be successful. Where you'll see the brands that are still just looking at numbers, uh, they're going to suffer. And, and I think, particularly like in the context of now, we're seeing that with. A lot of larger events have really struggled to come back. And I think that that's, in my opinion, it's hard to have a a very human, intimate experience at an event that's like 10, 20,000 people. Like, that's really hard to do. And so you're seeing events that were fine before the pandemic are really struggling to come back because they're... They're not getting it. The context, like things have changed. People have changed. They're not doing the homework of looking at the human perspective of like, yeah, uh, people don't want that anymore. So you've got to evolve, adapt, grow, or, you know, you're going to die.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I think Tara's, uh, our interview with Tara was a fantastic way to set the stage for this season. It was a little like big picture and kind of heady, but I feel like Adopting this kind of pro-human mantra throughout the interviews that we're doing with other guests through some of the conversations that we're having with our colleagues and, uh, the other people that are involved in the world that we work in is going to be really helpful. It's going to help us build stronger events. It's going to help us, uh, create something that is special and that actually is kick-ass because that's what we're here for, right? And if we can't do it for the people uh, that are gonna be attending, then why are we even doing this?
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Make It Kick-Ass. We hope you found it entertaining and helpful. If hosting a community event is on your radar, visit geteventlab.com to take our free 30-minute training called Community Event Mastery. That's geteventlab.com or use the link in the show notes. Make It Kick-Ass is hosted by Isaac Watson and Nessa Jimenez. Post-production audio by Chris Nelson at Mittens Media. Our theme song is Feel It by Dojo for Crooks. Make It Kick-Ass is a production of Kick-Ass Conferences, an event strategy and design agency serving leaders of growing communities.